Paratruth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Since the fall of man, a war has raged between good and evil. Over the centuries, this war has distorted the truth. Now the truth is perceived as lies, and lies acknowledged as truth. To this day, the battle continues as we investigate and debate the truth behind the history and mystery of the universe. We are Paratruth Radio. Hey everybody, welcome to Paratruth Radio right here at paratruthradio.com. My name's Justin. And I'm Eric. And uh, if you guys are joining us for the first time ever, welcome. Uh, we are proud to announce that we are on paratruthradio.com now, uh, as well as uh, you can find us on um, Spreaker, and you can download the Spreaker app and uh, listen to us that way as well. Uh, but we would like for you to come to paratruthradio.com, click on the, uh, the, the live, I think it's listen live and you can jump into our chat room and uh that's one way that you can just talk to us ask us questions give us questions for our guest as well as uh you know just check out the site it's relatively new and something to be proud of seeing as we were working really hard on it for quite a while so um so just to get started here uh, me and Eric um, have been doing Paratruth Radio. It's actually going on ten months. It's going to be a year in June, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's good to uh, to be on ParatruthRadio dot com instead of saying any other site forward slash Paratruth Radio. So we will get started here uh, today. We have on Charles Cassidy about his book, Cleveland Ghosts. How are you today, Charles? Oh, uh, I'm uh, uh, dealing with, uh, it's been taken care of, but we had a sewer back up in the yard. It's probably more than you need to know. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. The sort of set the tone for the weekend. <laughs> right. This is probably the high point, uh, definitely, emotionally. And I thank you. Oh, it looks like on your website, you posted the uh, author biography that my publisher turned down. Oh yeah, <laughs> submitted this, and they said we don't, we can't put this in our books. No one would want to read read it or, or never know you. <laughs> uh, so I saved it for my Amazon author page, uh, uh, along with a deliberately jaggy photograph and. Uh, uh, it looks like you ran it uncensored. Yeah, I actually liked that one compared to the one that's actually in the book. So, <laughs> yes, yeah. Every every I keep having I've written four books so far. Uh, in each one, I get to rewrite the author biography and and uh, see what I can get away with or what uh, of my enemies I can strike at that particular <laughs> year. So it is, it is a pleasure. So, um, for our listeners that uh, have not heard of you, haven't heard of the book, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? All right. Cleveland Ghosts is my first book under my real name. 
I've written, I contributed to uh, many anthologies beforehand, usually, uh, well, always in the field of uh, movie criticism. Uh, I just stepped on my own punchline, really. I was supposed to say that I uh, long covered the unholy and infernal and the uh, <laughs> godless demons of bottomless hell. In other words, I was a movie critic. Yeah. And... Uh, and a biographer of filmmakers, and, uh, and you know, so, so rimshot. But, uh, yeah, I was published in about a dozen of those things, including two books that were supposedly written, I was supposed to tell people they were written by a dog. Oh. So I didn't, didn't quite get the credit, but um, <laughs> interesting how I kind of fell into uh, writing about the paranormal and the supernatural. That's always been an interest of mine on the side. Uh growing up, and uh, it, it didn't hurt when uh, you got a boom of uh, movies would fall to me to review that uh, came out of, that started to be claiming based on the true story of, right. you know, The Exorcist, Fire in the Sky, uh, uh, whatever they could tack on uh, based on a true story, no matter how untrue it was. Right. And uh, so those two melded, and on the side, I was I had a couple different entertainment columns in the local press, and I figured out these random weekly newspapers of, uh, of ill repute, and around every October, I realized if I were clever and I saved up clippings and research on local haunted traditions, haunted theaters, haunted restaurants, uh, haunted bookstores, whatever... Uh, then I, my October columns were pretty well taken care of. I could just run those stories every October, and if there was no uh, pressing movie news or film festivals or new new play openings that I... Uh, so I was being a bit lazy in that respect. Uh, but at the same time, it enabled me to accumulate a, a good deal of these uh, stories pertaining to the Cleveland area, Cleveland, Lorraine, Sandusky, uh, the whole North Central Ohio, where I was being published primarily... So um, the opportunity came along uh, about uh, nearly 10 years ago uh, through a Craigslist ad, oddly enough. Not all Craigslist ads are serial killers and uh, con artists. Uh, A legitimate publisher was launching a series of uh, across-the-country ghost books, and they needed someone uh, with a proven track record as an author uh, who could uh, write about Cleveland, uh, the Cleveland area, possibly Ohio, I didn't get the Ohio concession, uh, like in Kentucky did, but uh, they gave to me uh, the contract to write the first book devoted wholly to Cleveland ghost stories, and also gave me a shot at doing a general book on the Great Lakes, which became my second book, uh, Paranormal Great Lakes. Uh, So I've been on a roll with this publisher, uh, Schiffer Books of Pennsylvania, ever since. Uh, they give me great editorial uh, latitude and longitude to be uh, pretty much as skeptical as I as I would like to be, or uh, or push any agendas or anything. I have creative freedom even to do my own illustrations uh, when I fail to get a ghost to pose for pictures uh, or Bigfoot. And um, I'm working on my fifth Schiffer book right now, as a matter of fact. Sweet. It has to do actually with New Orleans. And uh, not necessarily paranormal, but when you talk about New Orleans, sooner or later you, you get there to, to voodoo and the haunted houses. Hmm. So it's been a pretty uh, interesting uh, uh, career evolution for me. 
and I recommend it to anyone except uh, don't be a film reviewer. It's not as much fun as you think. Yeah, I think film reviewers get get a pretty bad rap for sure. You two gentlemen, I do believe you yourselves have connections to the Cleveland area or greater Cleveland. Yep, mm-hmm. both Eric and I are both from Cleveland, uh, born and raised there, uh, yep. and we have done numerous paranormal investigations, some of which are in your book, uh, such as Gore Orphanage, and uh, we didn't do a, an investigation in Hellstown. We kind of just drove in and then drove back out, because even if there really isn't a bunch of hocus-pocus and voodoo and, you know, just weird things going on there. It's just a very creepy area. Well, what's uh, interesting yeah. about that area, though, is like there have been incidences with with uh, some of the popu there. Uh, like my sister had gone there one time and was actually chased out by a group of people. Uh, she, she had her and her friends went there, parked, and then a group of people came from some house and started chasing after them. They had to get in their car and race out of there. Uh, and they chased them out, got in the truck and chased them. So, you know, it's, it, I think some of the people there, even if the whole uh, legend behind Helltown isn't true, I think some people there, especially the younger folks, you know, teenagers and young adults, uh, probably take advantage probably. of the legends, you know. Right. We are talking about Gore Orphanage Road in Vermilion. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vermilion, Ohio is... Uh, west of uh of cleveland i would say close, uh, closer or, or heading towards uh, sandusky mm-hmm. cedar point amusement park may be familiar to many of the listeners and uh, uh this is a wooded area that um yes it was originally called baldwin road a long time ago and for reasons of uh of certainly purely non-paranormal reasons, uh, it was renamed Gore Orphanage. Gore, because of uh, the shape of the road, it does a, it's not straight, it's a twisty sort of triangle shape that in dressmaking is known as a gore. Uh, so somebody thought that they would be extremely clever and rename it. And Orphanage, named after the, the fact that an orphanage was once there, uh, burned down, no fatalities, but... Uh, kind of suspicious circumstances way back in the early 1900s. Right. Uh, just putting those words together and uh, a rural area, a uh, couple of ruins inside, not not so much of the orphanage, but of a family house that uh, provided the uh, teenage ha- ages, generations of teenage hangouts and urban legends. And I think uh, it now just because of the name kind of has a uh, national reputation as a, a strange, spooky place. It's also some good, pretty good fly fishing area there in right. the Vermilion River, and uh, but it, it adjoins uh, some parklands, and there's private homeowners, and there's also parklands patrolled by rangers. So uh, the, the young folks who trespass in there, hoping to either get a glimpse of the ghosts or partake of the illegal substances that will make them think they're seeing ghosts. <laughs> They will tend to be chased away by either the the, lo- the local sheriffs or the rangers or irate homeowners or possibly other no-good kids. So I have yet to really find, personally, anyone bring me, bringing me a story of something uh, of uh, 
remotely supernatural that happened that happened to them. Most of them are of the opinion, no, it's just a place where kids go to get in trouble. And uh, every almost every town has one. Cleveland has uh, the greater Cleveland area actually has a couple. Uh, my book uh, discusses uh, Helltown down in uh, in the Cuyahoga Valley National Park. That's uh, south of Cleveland, more heading towards Akron and LeBron James's territory. That again is an area where uh, densely wooded. Uh, there's a large uh, outdoor rock amphitheater nearby where there are a lot of uh, concerts just sort of very remote from the city. And there's a small uh, village that happens to have a lot of deserted homes and a cemetery on a hill. You just stir that all up together with uh, local teenagers looking for trouble and, and, and roads with rather peculiar names that suggest ominous things. And you got a recipe of, uh, you know, a place where kids hang out at night and try to find the fate, the, the, the alleged axe murder or the or the right. crybaby bridge or whatever yeah. and just uh, cause so much trouble that the uh, local uh, uh, township had to install 24-hour security lights in the cemetery to keep the young thrill-seekers ste- from stealing the tombstones to prove their bravery. Yeah, well... Uh, yeah, my book uh, encompasses those. I hope I've been not added to the problem, but uh, been more of the solution by by doing my myth-busting act on those those areas. Well, I mean, a lot of those areas, too, I mean, even though the history really is not as interesting as the actual ghost story, I mean, it's still interesting to, to hear those things. Oh, yes, yes. I mean, uh, uh, Helltown, there are, in fact, various abandoned homes. It was a case of eminent domain when it was turned into a national park, and a lot of people lost their property or were forced out by the government, still a bit of a of a sore point down there. So I guess it uh, depends who your monster is, right? And uh, and where you have. So I guess you could actually call it a ghost town. Yeah. Quotes, right. Just, uh, not not a not necessarily a town filled with ghosts. Right. Right. Most of my uh, the points I make in Cleveland Ghosts, since it was my first book, and for all I knew, it would be my last book. I did try to uh, uh, bring to bear the biggest the thesis right up front that uh, Cleveland, and this is particularly uh, true for Cleveland, uh, and the whole area has been hit with uh, awful recession and people trying to make money any way they can and get by in a, an economy with most of the factories closed down and uh, the work going elsewhere and uh Having ghosts, circulating ghost stories, having ghost tours uh, to a uh, uh, certain, it just became another way to make money and get people interested. Uh, uh, suddenly get, get folks taking tours of their own city. Uh, most, yeah. A lot of uh, locals would be rather discouraged at the scene back then uh, when, I was, when I was writing the book. And, uh, but tell them that, hey, if you get on a trolley and pay your $20, we will take you to the scenes of scene of the city's most famous hauntings, or in the case of uh, you know, Helltown and Gore Orphanage, non-hauntings, but you'll get a nice trolley ride out in the countryside while we tell you our, our stories. And uh, you can get customers that way. Right. And now Cleveland has joined the various cities throughout the country uh, who have regular ghost tours mm-hmm. every year. At least two regular ones, maybe three. 
And uh, so my book and my larger uh, discussion, the theme underlying Cleveland ghosts uh, for anyone who just happens to be passing through town and through some unbelievable set of circumstances gets a, happens to have a copy of this book and absolutely nothing else left in life to do but read it, they will find lessons applicable to their neighborhood, too, as the idea of uh, selling ghost stories, profiting off it, uh, setting it up as a business, and, uh, and, and just a, sort of a, a 21st century uh, thing, I find. Uh, same with the, the, ho- the holiday of Halloween, is suddenly growing exponentially to become a, a, a literal monster, uh, for adults, when it used to be just uh, a few hours in, in October night for the school kids to get tricks, tricks and treats, and then everyone forgot about it. Right. Mm-hmm. Now a multi-billion-dollar industry that goes practically all month. Right. All right. Um, I commented on that, and uh, that's. But however, people who are interested specifically in the Cleveland area, uh, yep, that's uh, probably the key word in the index. <laughs> Cleveland. <laughs> And I do tell all the uh, the ghost stories that I found mostly to be already in print elsewhere. I came up with a few original ones, but I did not want to get too carried away with uh, stuff I found on the internet or whatever. Oh, so much yeah. of that is unreliable or slander or excellent right. Just trying to trying to get even with uh, Taco Bell that fired them by claiming it was an Indian burial ground and <laughs> get a tomahawk through the head if you buy the buy the tacos. Uh, <laughs> Didn't want to go that far. Right. All right, um, I think we'll take our first break. Folks, you're listening to Paratruth Radio right here at paratruthradio.com. You can also find us on Spreaker. You can download the Spreaker app and listen to us that way, or you can go to the mobile site of paratruthradio.com and listen. Uh, click on the Listen Live button and uh, listen there as well. And uh, we will be right back after a few quick commercials. In a world infatuated with comic fandom comes a show to help us remember the talents that have inspired us. Whoa, 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 Cut. Oh, come on. It wasn't that bad. It's a bit dramatic. Let's just tell them about the show, guys. We are the Canned Air Podcast. Join us weekly for a comedic trip through pop culture. We also welcome some cool comic creators, as well as some of the voice and screen actors that help shape your childhood. Find us on cannedairpodcast.com and on the Evergreen Podcast Network. This is Bill Hall, author of the book, The World's Most Haunted House, and you're listening to Paratruth Radio. Confessions of a Potentially Perfect Parent, brought to you by AdoptUsKids.org. I might look like an adult, like a person who could possibly be a parent, but I have no idea how to talk like one. And everyone knows that if you want to be a parent, you have to sound good when you say things like, Don't make me turn this car around, or because I said so, or don't make me come back there. I don't even really know what those things mean, but I know that I actually believed my parents when they said them to me. How did they manage to sound so convincing? Here we go. Don't make me come back there. No, that's not tough enough at all. Kids can sense weakness. Don't make me come back there. Ooh, yeah, that's better. In fact, that kind of sounded like my dad. Weird. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. There are thousands of teens in foster care who would love to listen to you practice your dad voice. Call 1-888-200-4005 or visit adoptuskids.org for more information. This message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt Us Kids, and the Ad Council. 
Ranger Station, Ranger speaking. Yeah, hi. Uh, I'd like to report a bear sighting. Location? In the forest near the side of the road. No need for alarm, sir. The forest is where bears live. But this was no ordinary bear. No ordinary bear? Yeah, one second I'm having a smoke taken in the view. Next thing I know, I am face to face with Smokey Bear. Let me guess, Smokey had a tip for you. He did. He must have seen me toss my cigarette on the ground. He told me never to do that because it only takes one spark to start a wildfire. He's a smart bear. Did you know that nine out of ten wildfires are caused by humans? That means nine out of ten wildfires can be prevented. That's what Smokey Smokey said. I had no idea. That's why Smokey's famous, and you're not. Good point. If you see someone in danger of starting a wildfire, step in and make a difference, because 9 out of 10 wildfires are caused by humans. Brought to you by Smokey Bear, the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Learn more at SmokeyBear.com. Only you can prevent wildfires. Okay, Simon, what are you wearing right now? Nothing. That's right. And what do people normally wear? Clothes. Exactly. So now Mommy's going to teach you how to dress yourself. Clothes keep us warm, they look good, and if we go out without them, the neighbors will talk. So it's important to know how to get dressed. Here's how it's done. Underwear always comes first, name tag at the back, then pants, then shirt. Get the first button in the right hole, or you have to start all over. If you're wearing a tie, it goes over, round, round, through, and pull tight. Tuck your shirt into your pants and zip up your flap. Socks go in first, then shoes right on right, left on left. With shoelaces, just take the ends, cross them over, switch the loops. The rabbit goes down the hole, pull tight, and you left with bunny ears. I love bunnies. Good to know. Now remember, spots don't go with stripes, socks don't go with sandals, and if you've tucked in your shirt, wear a belt. Got it? Why are your pants on your head? Most parenting is hard to do in just two minutes. But spending just two minutes twice a day making sure they brush their teeth is easier and could help save them from a lifetime of tooth pain. For fun two-minute videos to watch while brushing, visit 2min2x.org. That's 2min2x.org. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Miles, Healthy Lives, and the Ag Council. Okay, forest animals, today is a new day. Kids are coming to the forest, and it's up to us to make their visit a good one. Sparrow. Yes? Have you practiced the most popular bird songs for the year? Of course. Catchy. I like it. Okay, river. Dude, how's the temperature? It's a refreshing 52 degrees, man. Perfect for a little riverside shoeless relaxation. Ah, good. Owl, you hear? Cool. Who's asking? I am. Look, you know the drill. Sleep during the day, scare the kids at night. Perfect. I love my job. Uh, Oak Tree? What's up? Still in the same place I left you last year. That's what I like. Consistency. Well, it's not like I'm going anywhere for the next couple hundred years. I know. I love it. Uh, Turtle. Turtle. He's not here yet, man. Ugh. He's late every morning. You'd think you would have learned by now to leave the night before our meetings. Okay. Squirrel. Has anybody seen Mr. Mr. Squirrel? The forest has been preparing just for you. Visit a forest near you today. To learn more about cool things to do in the forest, visit discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Hey, kids. Let mom help with your science project. This new mom wants her kids' science project to thrive. Too bad she hasn't cracked a science book since 1985. A metathesis reaction? Compounds, mixtures, and elements. Even this baking soda volcano is too big of an experiment. Whoa. Now she's completely forgotten the periodic table. Now she's burning a hole through the kitchen table. Burning with science. But her kids' love for the mom is truly transparent. Proof you don't have to be perfect to be the perfect parent. Don't tell Dad. 
don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of siblings in foster care will take you just as you are. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. Hey, guys, let's play some video games. This new dad plays video games with his sons. But the challenge feels like he's lifting a metric ton. So many buttons. His avatar just stares at the walls, twists and turns and somehow falls. Help me. He's tangled up in the controller's cords. I just don't understand this crazy digital world. Crazy, crazy digital world. But the love from his kids is totally apparent. See, you don't have to be perfect to be the perfect parent. You should have just played catch. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of siblings in foster care will take you just as you are. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. This is David Montaigne, author of End Times in 2019. You are listening to Paratruth Radio. Hey everybody, welcome back to Paratruth Radio right here at paratruthradio.com and spreaker.com. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. And uh, if you're just joining us, come on in and uh, hop into our chat. We will be opening up the chat as well as the call in line for you guys to uh, ask questions in the next uh, 10 to 20 minutes or so here, as well as uh, you can get on Facebook, you can get on Twitter, you can get us the questions that way as well. So we've been talking to Charles Cassidy about his book, Cleveland Ghosts. Uh, now, Charles, you said that uh, you were in- you were interested in the paranormal for quite a while. Uh, what made you want to actually start writing uh, about the paranormal? Uh, well, let's see. To begin with, uh, well, sooner or later, I'd have to say that the, the standards of uh, scholarship are pretty low. <laughs> <laughs> that was not an observation necessarily made by myself. There's a uh, uh, a great book out there written by a, a judge in uh, San Francisco who had a very compelling ghost story uh, ghost sighting, as it turned out to be his own personal ghost story, something he couldn't explain, and uh, so he uh, he went to the library and researched everything he could about ghosts and the paranormal, uh, which he'd never done before, and he came away with uh, the, roughly the response that, this sucks, <laughs> these people can't write, <laughs> and so he wrote his own uh, uh, book uh, just uh, covering the supernatural in general. Uh, I, I think it's just uh, called Explaining the Unexplained. And then, um, like, just as, as with him, I found that uh, it's kind of fun going back and sorting out the facts uh, from the fiction, doing a little bit of my own myth-busting, or just uh, telling all the alternative versions of a particular story, be it a, a Cleveland ghost story or some of the New Orleans stories I've investigated, uh, or uh, uh, the, the Great Lakes stories, whatever, and finding how many different permutations or bold-faced lies and distortions of the truth are out there. And uh, I would hope that my books 
would uh, be as just as enjoyable, maybe in a teeth-grating way, albeit that, yeah. uh, to the firm skeptic as to the believer, because along the way, I at least I'm told by, by some people, some satisfied readers, that I do give a lot of good history uh, behind the ghost stories and the, the various buildings, parts of town uh, that are uh, connected with, uh, with the ghosts allegedly. And so someone reading about, uh, for example, in Cleveland Ghosts, that there's a building in downtown, uh, a little sort of a castle-like building called Gray's Armory with a long history of, of ghost stories tended to tie in with the Civil War. Um, what people do not appreciate, though, is that Gray's Armory was just a smaller building version of the same architect had built an immense castle-like building in occupying a major part of downtown Cleveland. They called it King Arthur's Castle back in the old days because of just the way it looked. And that was uh, all torn down and replaced in the 50s and 60s with just uh, fairly nondescript office buildings and government buildings. And my read-through of Cleveland Ghosts, if it uh, prompts any kind of visits online or in person to Gray's Armory, and might just make you think, what if, or what if that other building, the, uh, the, the main armory, had been preserved all these years? Uh, would it have been spectacular? Would it have been an eyesore? And, of course, what ghost stories would they tell about it? Right. The tendency mm -hmm. seems to be when a building looks like it should be haunted, not always, but uh, quite often uh, the, the stories will just sort of accrete uh, to it then. And, right. uh, so uh, people who read my books with even no interest in, in ghosts whatsoever might get some uh, nice uh, social history and uh, uh, maybe some bad Star Trek puns, yeah. whatever I feel like writing, and it is uh, fun to write them. And uh, I, so far... I don't think I've gotten in any, any real trouble. I, I did uh, find out in my first chapter about the most, supposedly most notorious haunted house in all of Cleveland, the Franklin Castle. I showed it to a gentleman who'd be researching the Franklin Castle for about 20 years now, and he said, I wrote the best printed account ever of the Franklin Castle. I only made four major mistakes. Oh. So... Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm waiting for his book to come out, and I do mean that sincerely. Well, yeah, and, I mean, uh, <clears throat> one of the uh, one of the biggest things, even in doing the paranormal radio for as long as Eric and I have been doing, is you know co cooperation and as well as encouragement. So to encourage another writer and be ready for that book to come out is, <clears throat> is definitely a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, and we're not, we're, I mean, obviously, we're not writers. We don't, well... I'm an aspiring writer. Yeah, yeah. Justin's a writer, but he writes different types of books. Um, not informative books. Um, yeah. <clears throat> it's something I think you, you and I have just, I think we've thought about it probably in the past. Uh, writing some kind of book on, this, on the uh, destinations that we've investigated and stuff like yeah. that. But without the writers, without the books, obviously we wouldn't have a show right. because the majority of our guests are all writers. Uh, and I think for us personally, especially when it comes to hauntings to, you know, to, uh, well, yeah, most of the hauntings or even to, uh, like cryptid type books on cryptids and stuff like that. Uh, 
we really enjoy reading those things, especially from our hometown, uh, yeah. or close by, or areas that we know. And for me, Gray's Army, for Armory, for example, is a place that I grew up going to. Um, they always did the Golden Gloves there uh, every year. And so I spent a lot of time there growing up, uh, going there with my grandfather and stuff. And I remember walking in there, and the place looks, you know, it looks like a place that could be haunted. Um, you know, I never knew the real story behind it. Mm. I never witnessed anything there, but <clears throat> you know, it, it's pretty interesting. And so, yeah, we definitely always encourage and like to encourage other people who are either just starting off writing or people who have been writing for a long time and encourage them to keep on going because yeah. we like the stories. Yeah. And one of the biggest things which I thought was amazing was that reading through your book, Charles, is that there are places that I've actually been, like I said, such as Gore Orphanage and, and Helltown, uh, that made it into this book, and I, I know I've been there. So it was definitely a good read for me, not just because I'm from Cleveland, but just because it's got a lot of history behind it. I am a huge history buff as well. So... To see all of that in one book was definitely very encouraging and very heartwarming for me to see something about my hometown. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And uh, uh, again, for, for readers who are, are not so interested in Cleveland, too, or, for example, any particularly any vicinity that uh, you otherwise might not have given much thought to, pick up the preferably Schiffer uh, Publishings, but pick up a book on their ghost traditions. Now, every city almost has one, and uh, it will just be a, a wonderful, if the author has, has done their job, I think, uh, just a wonderful introduction to the culture and the, and, uh, the sort of hidden, outside of the convention and visitor bureau propaganda view of the city, and, and, and I can't... Uh, uh, I, I think a good ghost book uh, does that exactly. Plus the folklore, the local color, it'll make you see a place in, in a different light. And, uh, right. I should add that uh, I do not do, quote, investigations, unquote. I don't do right. banishings, cleansings, exorcisms. Uh, ghosts uh, don't like me, apparently. <laughs> I, I don't think I've... I've either another, never seen one, or I'm uh, like the people, like guys in the Sixth Sense movie. I see them all the time, and I'm just too dumb to know that to know that they're ghosts, or that I'm dead too. Right. Which would explain my level of income. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, <clears throat> one thing I wanted to mention. Now, I haven't had as much time as Justin to read to this book. I flipped through some things, but I've been working 16-hour days for the past month or so, month and a half. Uh, we're filming a movie, and so I've been going through some stuff, and one of the things I came across in that book was something that really, I guess, triggered my memory, and it was a picture that I came across, uh, two pictures, of a supposed possible ghost at a Parma gas station caught on camera. Um, right. I remember, you know, I remember when that photo came up, when they showed it on the news in Cleveland uh, so many years ago now. And uh, it was really intriguing. What can you tell me about that? What did you come come to or find? Uh, nothing really. I mean, that mm -hmm. story flashed through the media. Um, there's 
the gas station is still there. I uh, fill up there occasionally myself when I'm mm -hmm. I'm brave enough and it's daylight. <laughs> I don't know. I cannot tell of any. Uh, I think there was a winning lottery ticket sold there, mm -hmm. and the owner got to crow doubly on TV that you know, look, it was a guardian angel or whatever. Uh, uh, all all I can tell you is what's in the book there that their security camera caught a fluttering blue shape, which. Uh, uh, could have been very, very much have been like a little tiny bit of a plastic bag, you know, plastic right, uh, shopping right. bags have that punched out handle area. If you can imagine something like that snagging on the on the camera lens and moving around in the wind, right. um, of which my only argument is I know quite a bit about photography. That was a very deep focus lens. Right. Uh, the, you know, if you had a mosquito crawling on around on that lens, you could probably tell it would be a mosquito. You'd see it. Well, this thing just remained undefined and fuzzy all over, which might be a quality of plastic bags, uh, or it might have been a visitation by some unknowable entity that just happened to move, just like a plastic bag blown around in the wind. Right. I'm gonna right. chalk that. I'm going to chalk that up to uh, unsolved, but uh, doesn't really rock my world. Mm -hmm, right. And uh, it was certainly a bonanza for the owner of the gas station, and I hope he was able to give his employees a raise. <laughs> uh, I mean, we need it around here. Yeah. But, but uh, yeah, I don't think there was a... Yeah, I, I think the only follow-up was that uh, winning lottery ticket was sold at that station. I don't think it's been added to the local ghost tour itinerary, strangely enough. Right. You will find, uh, as I point out, using Cleveland as an example, but you could plug in Chicago and especially Savannah, Georgia, and by all means New Orleans, that uh, you'll find ghosts tend to appear at places that are very convenient and scenic for the tour groups to go. Uh, there's a museum between point A and point B. Uh, what do you know? The, 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 the museum suddenly becomes point C, and we're told that, well, maybe the night watchman hears some strange things occasionally, and, and here's a story about that. Kind of a matter of convenience. Right. Uh, I did take great pleasure in, inside Cleveland Ghosts of describing what by the, in the late, uh, in the mid-20th century was Cleveland's best-known ghost story, that a, uh, a family in a somewhat... Uh, decaying uh, slum tenement had to move out because they, they saw a bloody hand coming out of the cellar floor and had some, some negative uh, encounters with the bloody hand. And I, I mentioned in the book kind of uh, archly that uh, well, this neighborhood has since gone downhill. The street is totally obliterated and replaced by just uh, warehouses and factories. It's not a very scenic place to take your trolley tour right. and have right. people get out and take get out and take pictures and hope for an orb to materialize. You <laughs> right. want them to to stay in and uh, not and keep their wallets close to each other. Right. So that's a ghost story that has largely fallen off the radar after being uh, being quite popular in the local press, uh, mainly because I think it it uh, could not be so easily commercialized as some of as Gray's Armory and some of the buildings downtown, and, of course, the Franklin Castle that you could uh, take your tour bus around to. Right. Right. All right. Um, I think we'll take another quick break. Folks, you're listening to Paratruth Radio. We've got Eric's Random Fact and then Paranormal Headlines, and uh, we will be back in just a few minutes. So join us here at paratruthradio.com. 
click on the Listen Live tab and join us in our chat room. You can also uh, call in at after the paranormal headlines at 701-204-4547 and you can ask us or our guest charles here any questions that you may have you can also put them in the chat or you can hop on facebook or twitter and give us the questions that way so uh we will be right back after eric's random fact of the day and paranormal headlines now eric's random fact of the day The word nice is used often amongst us. It's usually used to describe a person, a vehicle, or a number of different things. The word nice means pleasant, agreeable, or satisfactory. However, in the 13th century, it meant something completely different. In fact, the word nice meant used to mean foolish, stupid, and senseless. Video captures disc-shaped UFO being transported in military convoy near Area 51. This interesting video appeared on YouTube on March 24, 2015 and shows a convoy transporting what appears to be a classic disc-shaped UFO on a semi's trailer. The one in Oh, I'm sorry. The one in the half-minute video was allegedly shot near the remote Area 51 installation in the Nevada desert. The video appeared on YouTube with no description. In the first section of the video, the videographer apparently placed his telephone on the dashboard of his parked car in order to secretly film the passing convoy. In the second section, he turned the cell phone sideways, possibly to film out a side window or under his arm. It's clear that whatever is being transported is military in nature. You can see a convoy of vehicles, including guide trucks and law enforcement cars, escorting the craft part, or I'm sorry, past a gas station. It is speculated that the disc-shaped object could be the new X-47B unmanned drone that is being developed by Northrop Gunman. Others have speculated it could be a museum exhibit or maybe a captured UFO. Whatever it is, given it was being moved around near Area 51 in the middle of the night. It's definitely not something the government is keen on being filmed. I've got a second headline here for you guys today. New Horizons prepares for Pluto encounter. After a journey of more than 3 billion miles, the probe is expected to reach its destination in July. It has now been over nine years since New Horizons, the first spacecraft ever to be sent to Pluto, launched from Cape Canaveral aboard an Atlas V rocket on one of the longest and most ambitious space missions ever undertaken. When it arrives at its destination on July 14th of this year, it will offer mankind the first ever close-up glimpse of this enigmatic dwarf planet and its five moons, Charon, Sty, Nix, Kerberos, and Hydra, about which very little is actually known. We will take hundreds of thousands of photographs and spectral images of Pluto and its moons as New Horizons sweeps past, said Mission Principal Investigator Alan Stern. In fact, we will... 
gather so much information about Pluto and its moons that it will take New Horizons until the end of 2016 to transmit all its data back to Earth. Right now, the probe is so far away from us that it takes 4.5 hours for its signal to reach the Earth, and it is traveling so quickly that even the smallest grains of dust could cause catastrophic damage. We have got around that problem in very ingenious manner, said Stern. We have given the craft a bulletproof jacket. To be more precise, we have, we have covered it in Kevlar, the material used to make body armor. That should protect it. After visiting Pluto, the probe will then head off to investigate another dwarf planet in the Cooper Belt, the vast region of asteroids and icy bodies that makes up the outer solar system. Exactly what it will find there, however, remains even more mysterious than what it will find on Pluto. This was a segment of Parachute Radio's Paranormal Headlines. Alright folks, welcome back to Paratruth Radio right here at paratruthradio.com as well as Spreaker.com. If you guys are listening in live, come on over to paratruthradio.com if you're using the Spreaker or Spreaker app and hop into our chat area with uh, if you click on the Listen Live tab there. Uh, and uh, you can join us to ask questions uh, to either us or to Charles. And uh, you can also call us 701-204-4547 to ask questions that way, too. We're opening up the lines now. Uh, so, Charles, um, in all of the areas that that you looked up the history, what was the most interesting for you? Uh, wow. Interesting in a number of ways. Okay. Uh, hard, hard, to, hard to choose, especially in the Cleveland area, but I'll give you this. Uh, one of the stories I printed... I originally had no faith in. I thought it was a complete urban legend, but just so beautifully done that I just had to go with it. The Nurse in the Woods. Um, that This is on uh, the, Cle the Creepy Cleveland uh, website, too, with which I'm not affiliated, but uh, they're admirers of me. Um, story goes, uh, in an area, Cleveland has uh, these wonderful little parks here dotted here and there that are even very near the urbanized part of the city and yet still kind of isolated and remote. And in one of these parks, uh, Memphis area, that uh, maybe the one where Drew Carey uh, used to hang around there, um, young bunch of young men, including the storyteller, just go uh, bluegill fishing one day in, a, in this uh, remote park through which a railroad track runs. And on their way back, as uh, night is falling, uh, they're walking along the railroad track, and one of the guys sees a nurse walking towards them, smiling. And so she's quite pretty, kind of looks like Elizabeth, the young Elizabeth Taylor, and walks past, and after a, a few minutes, uh, the guy says to his buddies, I wonder if there was an accident back there. I say, why? Says, because of that nurse. Didn't you see her, like a paramedic or a nurse or something? And no, his friend's had not seen her, and by this time they've uh, reached, they've come out of the woods and reached the roadside, 
an old man happens to be lounging around on a nearby porch and hears them talking. Uh, and he says, oh, so you saw our nurse, huh? Yeah, she comes out around this time of day. And, and this was roughly the time of year when she was uh, murdered back in those woods. So, aha, you know, it was a ghost. And that's uh, to everyone... Uh, me and my and my uh, fans when I published it said that's like the vanishing hitchhiker. It's just the perfect little ghost story, and I'll bet you can find it or something just like it in every town across the country. So I printed that, and then I got uh, an email from someone saying you should really go into the library archives and call up the newspaper headline from this and this such and such date in the early 1960s. And so I did on microfilm, and there it was. There was the actual murder case of a nurse, beautiful, young, looked like Elizabeth Taylor, uh, um, a young juvenile delinquent she had treated, was uh, infatuated with her, uh, talked her uh, onto on going out with him on a date, and he uh, proceeded to uh, rape and strangle her. Strangely enough, not murdering her in those very same woods, but at a uh, place you may know, uh, St. Ignatius High School. Uh, but he dumped her body uh, near, near those woods where the stories persist. I throw that out there for whatever you can make of that. And just hearing that there was a grain of truth behind this local urban legend was uh, very eerie to me, even more so when I did further... Uh, research online, and now anyone can post anything they want online, but someone in some chat board posted a follow-up that the, uh, the young murderer did, like, uh, not quite a life sentence, but almost like 50 years. He just had recently been released as a kind of pathetic old man, and only in the last few years found dead in his bed, verdict choked to death. And I'm thinking to myself, okay... This might be entirely, that part might be wholly bogus, but whoever went to the trouble of leaving that information in right. little bits here and there, like breadcrumbs, for me to pick up, for me or who knows what other, few other people to pick up and get this great narrative put together was just astounding to me. I, I could tell you the name of the victim, and, but even if I had a second chance to come out with a, an updated edition of the book. I'm not sure I want to now because it was a horrible murder case and uh, obviously two families impacted the murderers and the victims and I'm not so sure I want to turn that into the latest uh, stops on the ghost tour. I'd rather people still think it's an urban legend right. and, uh, and, and not put together a uh, uh, festival in, in honor of the nurse. Uh, folks uh, hanging around at the Memphis Kitty Park at dusk and hoping to get her, get her on film. Uh, oh, did I just say a location name? I'm sorry. But, uh, <laughs> that's all right, um, as long as I don't go to print with it. Um, so that case, yeah, that was uh, very interesting. If I'd never written another thing since then, I thought that would uh, that one would be... That, that was cool. And I, I often wonder how many people have information out there that they just... Uh, another one, in uh, my latest book, uh, Great Lakes uh, Folklore, but it sort of grew out of my past books. I was doing an appearance uh, for my previous books, especially Paranormal Great Lakes, 
and a fellow came up to me, uh, actually a comics artist, and he said, do you know that my mother-in-law is responsible for the sinking of the Edmund Fitzgerald? Now, there are lots of ghost stories involving the Edmund Fitzgerald, people who claim they've seen her since she sank as a ghost ship, mm-hmm. and or a phantom ship is the more proper term, right. and uh, people who, who say that if you, you know, if you happen to have an animal or dog on board your Coast Guard cutter and it goes over the spot on Lake Superior where the Fitzgerald is sunk, the dog will go crazy, things like that. But um, this man says his mother-in-law was related, a cousin, I think, to two of the crewmen. And before the Edmund Fitzgerald went on her final voyage uh, back in 1975, they took her on a guided tour of the decks, and she may have been the last person to step off the Edmund Fitzgerald and, and live to talk about it because of the ship say it went off like the next day. So according to my informant, it went after the ship sank and got all that publicity and the song by, uh, uh, the, oh, I'm blanking on the name, Glenn Lightfoot, uh, making the Edmund Fitzgerald the most famous uh, Great Lakes shipping disaster of modern times. This woman came to blame herself. She felt that she violated a uh, superstition of the sea by you never have a woman on board your ship, uh, and uh, and that she personally caused whatever disaster with her presence that brought take, took the ship down to the bottom of Lake Superior. Uh, and my inform my the guy says it's no joke. She's really uh, upset about this and blames herself. And so when I published this story in my last book, Great Lakes Folklore, I added that uh, she probably isn't solely responsible. Uh, that The original captain of the Edmund Fitzgerald back in the, the 50s took his wife and children on board the ship on many occasions, and it never sank back then. Right. She probably just had the uh, unfortunate uh, statistics to be the last uh, visitor that the great ship, beloved uh, or carrier, ever had. Right. Uh, so bringing that story to print uh, was uh, quite a pleasure for me also. Uh, a little bit where I can sort of get involved myself and air something that I know has never been published anywhere. Right. Well, um, I did want to give you a chance uh, to tell everybody where they can find you and find your books. We are getting close to the end of the show here, so go ahead with that. Okay, well, if you look up my book trailer, just uh, Cleveland Ghosts, Cleveland Ghosts on YouTube, you will hear some hilarious uh, a soundtrack from an obscure 1950s horror film. <laughs> and I think uh, for uh, for a book trailer that was done pretty much all by myself in a camera tower at a horse race track, <laughs> which is where I work and write, I think it's pretty good. And so you. Uh, Check it out there, and that book trailer video will lead you to my publisher's website, Schiffer Books, if you want to try to spell it out, S-C-H-I-F-F-E-R-B-O-O-K-S dot com. Schiffer Books carries all my books, Great Lakes Folklore, Paranormal Great Lakes, Paranormal Mississippi River, and, of course, Cleveland Ghosts, and um, as far as uh, personal appearances, this is probably it until, uh, oh, I try to do an outdoor author festival in Bedford, Ohio, lovely Bedford every, uh, every September. Oh. I'll probably be down there. And so, but I, I don't, I think it's, uh, April, no, September 13th, but I can't, uh, can't be exact on that. Okay. Well, thank you. Follow my, my Twitter handle is, uh, C-A-S-S-X-D-Y, which, uh, 
for, for fans of my YouTube videos, Cassidy, but with an X instead of that second A that everyone gets. Oh, for. okay. And I try to announce I try to announce my appearances on there. Okay. So yeah, follow me follow me on Twitter. I try to say one amusing thing per day. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Often failing. Well, <laughs> I don't think anybody can ever say too much. That's on Twitter or Facebook. So, <clears throat> all right. Thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, it's been an honor and a pleasure, especially <coughs> being from Cleveland. It was definitely interesting reading the book as well. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. Did you find it through a library and alone, or did you actually find it on the shelves? Um, I actually got it uh, from Shipper. Oh, congratulations. I'm also in Barnes & Noble, and uh, by the way, and uh, and most other decent above-ground bookstores. Oh. Got to throw them a bone while they're still around. Right, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much, and uh, we hope to have you on again. Oh, please, anytime. All right, thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, folks, that was Charles Cassidy, author of Cleveland Ghosts, as well as he's done a couple other books. Uh, so with that being said, uh, we've got actually a great lineup for you guys coming up here in the next couple weeks. Uh, we've got Alta and Chad Dillard. They are not authors, but they do claim to have had several weird things happen uh, after their meeting and getting married. So we wanted to get them on and get their story known. Uh, we are also scheduled to have Mark Biltz on, author of, uh, I believe it's called Blood Moons. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and uh, we also will be getting on Gordon Melton. Uh, he was supposed to be on but had to reschedule. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we will be getting him on, and he is the author of The Vampire Book. Uh, it's basically an encyclopedia of the undead. So we also wanted to give Eric his usual chance to uh, plug his movie. Apparently he's bored with it. <laughs> I'm not bored with it. I'm just really tired. Um, so, yeah, I don't have much. Oh, God! No, God, please, no! 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 <laughs> 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 um, it's not that I'm bored with it I just haven't had much time to do much with it lately um, but The Revealed uh, is, a, is, a, is a short film that I am directing, producing uh, that I've written uh, it's going to be filmed next fall or this upcoming fall, 2015 and will be finished and ready for distribution and uh, uh, film festivals in spring of 2016 uh, it's a story about <clears throat> a young woman who writes books on extraterrestrial life, and she finds herself being uh, tormented, if you will, by those very beings that she writes about. I'm not going to go into too much more detail about it um, right now. I, luckily, we have one more week of filming left here for this movie I've been working on that those of you who know about. Um, and then I'll be getting back to all the pre-production stuff for The Revealed. So there'll be a lot more information probably within the next two to three weeks. Uh, but if you can, look it up on Facebook.com forward slash The Revealed Movie. Uh, like it, share it with your friends and family. Get it. I want to get as many likes as possible on there uh, so that when the time comes, 
will have plenty of followers and people to, to distribute it to uh, later on. Uh, the more followers, the, the bigger the hit it'll be. Um, and I don't plan on making any money off of it, so. <laughs> it's gonna be legend. Wait for it. Dairy. <laughs> I don't even know where that was from. <laughs> I don't know either, but it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Wait a second. So Since we're on Spreaker, or doing this, do we actually have a, a time limit on the show anymore? Well, we sort of do. We have three hours. Uh, actually, yeah, we have three hours total. Uh, we've been doing it for just under an hour. Okay, because I'm like rushing through there like crap. I only got like 30 seconds up before it's 9 o'clock. <laughs> I was like, yeah. wait a second. We're not on blog talk. Yeah, we're not going to. It's not going to cut you off. So you have as much time as you want to take with it from now on. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um. I I just try, you know, I want to try and keep us within that, that hour range. Right. All right, folks, uh, that is about it for us tonight. Uh, like I said, next week we will be having on Alta and Chad Dillard uh, to talk about their experiences. Uh, it's going to be a pretty interesting show just because they're not authors. We only know a little bit about them. So uh, it's it's definitely a weird and eerie story that they have for you guys so uh tune in live either on spreaker.com or you can go to our website which we would rather you guys go to paratruthradio.com click on the listen live tab and you can hop into our chat room you can give us a call uh, when we open up our phone lines as well to uh, ask questions and you can also find us on facebook and twitter and you can actually call us actually uh when we're, we're not airing, you can call that number, 701-204-4547, and you will probably get a voicemail, but definitely leave a voicemail if you guys have any questions, any suggestions for guests or topics, and uh, we will uh, definitely do our best to get those on air. So on that note, uh, we will talk to you guys next week, same time 8 p.m eastern daylight savings time right here at paratruthradio.com i'm justin and i'm eric talk to you guys next week peace And, and we're, we're the, the Professional, professional book, nerds. book Nerds. Two Mondays a month, we interview authors and talk about their upcoming books, what drives them, and their go-to order at the cafe. On Thursdays, we share recommendations and dive into topics readers face, like how do I actually read the books on my to-be-read list? You can find the Professional Book Nerds podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Want to learn more about us? Our website is professionalbooknerds.com, and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. We hope you'll come and listen, and as always, happy happy reading. reading!